So what if you had to describe yourself using one word? Just, just one word. What word would you use? And you can't use bacon because that's my word. I'm just using it by myself. You can't steal it, okay? So, so what's one word? One word that you would use to describe yourself. Let me help you. I'm going to give you a little list. You see if you hear yourself in this list of words. This is just a list I came across. Arrogant, adventurous, bossy, cruel, courteous, dishonest, exuberant, fussy, gregarious, harsh, inventive, impatient, jealous, moody, positive, reliable, rude, selfish, or witty. Do you yourself anywhere in there? Any of those words get there? Or, or maybe you just need to do the Snow White route. You know, just keep the, the list simple, okay? How about this? Dopey, bashful, sneezy, happy, grumpy, or sleepy. Any of those cover the base? Now, sleepy may be you right now. You know, you're getting ready to check out on the sermon any second. I got it. You know, you've already had a rough week, and, and this is going to be a good, comfortable place to sleep. Well, hang in there with me um, because I think I have something that might encourage you. What if I were to tell you that there is one word that describes ultimate truth? One word that brings meaning and purpose to your very existence one word that will captivate your mind capture your heart and care for your soul I mean at the very least that's worth staying awake a few more minutes right I mean there's something about that concept that seems to have some hope so what is this one word well let's see if we can find out We'll be turning our attention this Christmas season to John chapter 1. Our, our series is going to be the light. We'll be looking through the first part of John chapter 1. Uh, this was a letter written about 90 A.D. by John. And, and how do you think he would begin this letter? It's the gospel of John. It's a, it's a letter about Jesus. How do you think he would begin it? Well, let's look. Verse 1. In the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The first five verses of John chapter 1 could be a 12-month sermon series that could easily spill over into a 39-month sermon series. And if you've been around me, you know I could pull it off, right? I mean, I'll do four weeks just on one vowel, right? There's a lot here. There's so much to see. But tomorrow's my wife's birthday, so I need to get this done in the next 30 hours because we have dinner reservations. So it's good for you. We won't be going that long through this passage. But we will be looking at the first five verses, and the first one is magnificent. There, there is something crazy magnificent about this verse, and here's why. So we think that John was probably working at the church at Ephesus when he wrote this. So if you can imagine John, he's, he's sitting at his desk one day, and he's going to write a letter about Jesus. He's going to write a story about Jesus. And he's sitting there with his papyrus paper and his feathered sharpie, and he's like, I, I need to find one word. What's, what's one word I could use to describe Jesus? And what word did he choose? He chose the word 
word. <laughs> that, that's the word he chose. Not, not lowercase w, but, but a capital W. The way he describes Jesus is with the word, word. Jesus is the word, capital W. Now, sometimes we hear like, you know, turn to the word or, you know, reading in the word. Those, those are references to the Bible. This is not a reference to the Bible, capital W, proper name. Jesus is the word. That means Jesus is the ultimate word from God. He's the ultimate message from God. He's the ultimate declaration from God. You take all the questions of life and purpose and existence, and you will find all of their answers ultimately in the word. Questions like, why am I here? Why do I exist? What's the meaning of life? Why is there sin in the world? Why is there evil in the world? Why do people die? Why is there injustice? Why are there problems? Why are there eight hot dog buns in a package, but 10 hot dogs in a hot dog package? Who invented fruitcake? You know, all the questions of life. All of them in some way, when we peel them back, we will find the answers ultimately in the word, capital W. John didn't accidentally write this. He wanted us to see that if we're looking for meaning, if we're looking for purpose, we will find it in Jesus. He is God's ultimate word. This seems to be a precursor to the philosophy of, of cameo. It's a, it's a code word. No matter where you say it, you know that it will be heard. There is something powerful about this word about Jesus. It sticks out. It has meaning. The absolute beauty of what John's doing is really good for our hearts here. See, he's using words that anybody can understand, okay? Anyone can understand. Great having our kids singing with the choir today. I could pull any of those kids out, have them read this passage of Scripture. They could read the words and go, okay, I, I got it. It's, it's easy, it's simple to understand. Yes, it requires faith to believe, but it's not difficult to understand. Anyone can understand these words and the meaning of these words. But at the same time, these words in these verses, they are some of the deepest truths in all of eternity. These truths are discussed and debated day after day. There are books and sermons and podcasts about these words. They are deep, they are meaningful, but they are simple. So we're gonna go the, the simple route this morning because we have to get to verse 14 by Christmas. So we're gonna go the simple route, and here's the simple route. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the message of God. He's the ultimate message. That's the word that John uses to describe the baby in the manger, the word. That's the word that, that he uses to describe the Savior on the cross, the Word. That's the word he used to describe the, the risen and reigning King, the Word. Jesus is the Word, and he was the Word in the beginning. 
I'm pretty sure this wasn't an accident on John's part. I'm pretty sure that he, on purpose, used the same words that we see at the very beginning of the Bible, that Jesus was in the beginning by his character and his nature. He was there in the very beginning. The word was in the beginning. Jesus is God. Simple language. Not hard to understand. Not hard to hear. In verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. Well, why is he repeating it? Undoubtedly, it's important. It's important for us to see that Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. That he was in the beginning. That means he existed before time and matter. Jesus was God. Jesus is God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. This picture that we have is what we call the Trinity. The Trinity is this very unique biblical expression, this biblical truth that, that God is in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And those three distinct persons have distinct characteristics. They are all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, all the time. There is no division. They are distinct. God the Father is distinct. Jesus is distinct. The Holy Spirit is distinct, and yet they are all one. How is that possible? I have no clue. <laughs> it's, it's impossible for our minds to get wrapped around this eternal truth. So how do we know it's true? Well, we know it's true because all of Scripture points to the existence of the Trinity. It, it points to the existence of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we also know it's true because even in this moment, in this letter, John is not some religious crackpot. He's not some crazy guy. It was very natural for him to write that Jesus was and is God. There's nothing confusing about it. Augustine said this, if you deny the Trinity, you lose your soul. If you try to explain it, you lose your mind. A lot of truth to that. So even though the word Trinity is not in the Bible, I'm not asking you to, to believe in a, a word that's not in the Bible, but I am pleading graciously with you to believe in a truth that is throughout Scripture, this marvelous, unbelievable reality of God in three persons. And Why? Well, because out in the world, and particularly in some other religions, the notion of the Trinity is not what is always taught. There are some religions and some people even professing to be Christian religion that, that would say that Jesus is a God or that Jesus is a really, really cool angel, but that's not possible. Those thoughts are more recent. At the very least, we could say that, that John's account is at least older than that because those recent words don't necessarily apply when we keep walking back through history, but I'm not so sure that John didn't do this on purpose. The reason he used the word as the word to describe Jesus is because he knew there would be competing words. I would graciously say this. Always be careful when someone tells you they have a word from God that could be dangerous because Jesus is the word full, final ultimate, satisfying all of it found in Jesus God, the Son is Jesus and Jesus is the word 
Now, John's going to build on this a little bit, give us some more truth to consider. Listen to verse 3. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. My parents are streaming right now, watching our service from home. You know why they're my parents? Because I didn't create myself, and neither did you. We, we do not create ourselves by the powerful and sovereign, miraculous breath of God, by the hands of God, by the design of God. Yes, you can use the, the medical terminology and language that science has created, but all of it is a miracle of God that you were created and that I was created. It's, it's a miracle. Jesus was not created. He was and is and, and is to come by the very nature of who he is. He is God, God the Son. Nothing came into being apart from the Word. That's why Jesus can't be a God. It's why he can't be just a really cool angel because those things would have to have some type of creation. But Jesus is not created. He is infinite. He is the word. We simply cannot define God and his identity without Jesus. Trevin Wax said this, Jesus is the one who shows us who God is and what God is like. And how has he done that? How has he shown us what he's like? Well, we sang about it a little while ago. See, the story for us about how we see Jesus, it all begins in that little town of Bethlehem, but there's so much more to the story. This is how John puts it, verse four. In him, in the word, was life, and the life was the light of men. Capital L, we got a capital W and a capital L. Jesus is the word, and Jesus is the light. And it says here that he was the life. The word life here is not just biological life. It's, it's the ultimate life. It's, it's spiritual, emotional, eternal, everything that brings purpose and existence to who you are and your soul. This is the life that Jesus is described as. And someone has said this. It's almost as if what it's saying here is that Jesus is the life light. You put the two together. He, he is the ultimate source of life. He's the ultimate source of peace. He's the ultimate source of hope and love. Yes, we will find some of those things outside of Jesus, but they will be temporary. They will fade. I laughed. Um, our, one of our social media posts this, uh, last week, I think, was, um, when did you put your Christmas decorations up? And I was like, Christmas, I've already got Valentine up. Well, I missed it. I missed Christmas altogether. Now, how many of you have your tree up before Thanksgiving? Come on, confess. Oh, man, more than I thought. But, but what is it? It's, it's this thing as soon as it's up, the lights, the decoration. I mean, really, coming in here this morning, I mean, our, our folks did a fantastic job last Sunday of putting everything together. There is, there's just something about it. But guess what? Sometime the first couple of weeks of January, we'll take all of this down. And, and there's a temptation sometimes to say, oh, well, that, you know, we'll wait until next year. Let's don't wait to look at the light. He is the life light. He is the meaning and purpose for our very soul. And why does that matter? Why does it matter right now for you that Jesus is the life 
light. Why does that matter? Verse five, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, when Jesus was teaching from village to village, when Jesus was crucified, when Jesus was risen from the dead, when Jesus ascended into heaven, most people, most people did not get it. They didn't comprehend Jesus. Most people did not comprehend him. They didn't understand him. They didn't take hold of him. They didn't respond to him. One day Jesus was teaching his disciples and a crowd of people were around. They were listening. And this is what he said, Matthew chapter 7. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. There are still a few who are finding it. The words of Jesus haven't changed. Most do not find, only a few find. Why? Well, a big part of it is because many have not heard. They have not heard the message of the gospel. It's been estimated that there's about 17,000 people groups in the world. And the the higher estimates say that about 7,000 of those people groups do not have the gospel. They, They are not connected with Jesus. It means that less than 2% of those people groups are Christian. You saw it in the video earlier that in North Africa, you'd have to meet 33,000 people before you'd meet one Christian. So part of the reason that few are finding it is because few are hearing the message of the gospel. That's why we are connected to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. It's a very practical way for us to engage in places where the gospel has never been. I'll be honest with you. I would be thrilled beyond measure if we have a young person grow up in this church and God calls them to go to the place where no one has heard the gospel and we get to rejoice at God sending them to a place in the world where no one has heard Jesus. How many churches do we have just on 12th Street? Jesus is all over the street this morning. But there are places in the world where the name of Jesus has not been heard. So that's why we invest in the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. That's why all of that money goes directly to the places where the gospel is not heard. It's why our missions committee is is looking at adopting an unreached people group so that we can be connected with a, a group of people that we would begin to pray over and, and diligently engage with and, and ask God to have the mercy that the gospel might find them. See, the, the part of being a Christian that sometimes we forget is that we should be compelled to make sure that the story gets to others. Do you realize how prideful we are? We don't mean to be. But do you realize how prideful we are Do you realize that it is a miracle that you're sitting in this room? It's a miracle that this church exists. It's a miracle that you have ever heard anything about Jesus. You know why? Because the message of Jesus started a long way away from South Carolina. It is a miracle 
that you're a believer. It's a miracle that the gospel got to us. We are called to be a part of the miracle for others, that the gospel would reach the nations, the people who have never heard. God's called us to be a part of his message. He's called us to be a part of making sure that people find that narrow door. And part of the reason they haven't found it is they haven't even heard about it. But there's other people that have heard and they reject, but they don't have anything to do with the narrow door. They, they ignore the gospel, they ignore the word, they ignore the light, they ignore Jesus. They don't want to have anything to do with it. Maybe because they're too busy with Christmas or with work or with school or something else. Or maybe they just really don't want to hear it. They push back, they move away. They don't want to understand it. They don't want to comprehend it. There's a lot of reasons why people don't understand and don't comprehend. But... That verse can also be translated a little different. The word understand and comprehend, it can also be translated overcome. That, that's a powerful truth. Don't miss that. That means that the darkness cannot overcome the light. Just, just marinate on that just for a second. Just, just chew on it for a minute. Just, just let that sit in. That means that the light right now is shining. The light's never been put out. Never been put out. It's never lost an ounce of its beam and its glow. From New England to New Ellington to Papua New Guinea and all over the world, the light is shining. It is shining right now. Regardless of what happens to you this afternoon, regardless of what darkness you may hear in the news this week, there is no darkness, no sin, no evil, no death that can overcome the light, that can overcome the word, that can overcome Jesus. It's impossible. Listen, I think it's good and important for us to be informed and prayerful about current events in our community and in the world. I want to give you just a, a couple of places that you can listen to some, to some stuff. Um, two podcasts that, that I try to listen to as, as often as I can, uh, The World and Everything in It, uh, and The Briefing by Al Mohler. These are, these are good biblical worldview things to help you. They're, they're a way for, for you to engage with current events and not check out on things in the world. I also commend to you the, the broader ministry of World Magazine at WNG.org. Uh, they've been doing things since the mid-80s up, their headquarters up in Asheville, just a tremendous ministry. Um, and I'll just say this, that, that from my standpoint, they give you a good biblical worldview without screaming at you about everything going on in the world. It's just great truth and very helpful. Now, also know that if I recommend anything to you or if anyone else recommends anything to you, no matter what it may be, whether it's a, a podcast or a ministry or a church or a charity or, or preachers or a donut shop, whatever it may be, you do not have to believe and agree with everything you read and see and hear, okay? Just remember that. Although I've never found a donut I can't believe in, so I mean, maybe that doesn't work, but, but it's okay. But, but find a way to engage don't just assume that the only place you can get information is Fox and MSNBC and CNN and NPR and all those. Look, I get information from all of those sources as well. 
But I try to make sure that when I'm engaging with current events that I'm trying to find somebody to help me think through it biblically, not just get information. And I'm so tired of everybody yelling in, in, in the mainstream media and even the sidestream media. We need less yelling and we just need more truth and more information and more communication. Remember, it's important for us to think about things from a biblical perspective. Because remember, if you're looking at things from a conservative or liberal perspective, you're not looking at it from a biblical perspective. The biblical perspective is what should drive our thoughts and our hearts and our minds as we engage with the world. But as we engage with the world, be wise and be informed. But don't be overwhelmed. Don't be overwhelmed. Listen, pay attention, engage. Don't be overwhelmed with gas prices. Don't be overwhelmed with different variants of disease. Don't be overwhelmed with political conflicts. Don't be overwhelmed with the now hiring sign at a donut shop. Don't, don't be overwhelmed. We seem to be overwhelmed. And why do we not have to be overwhelmed? Because the darkness cannot overcome the light. It's not possible. The darkness cannot put out the light. The darkness can't even touch the light. Never, ever, ever, ever. Sin, evil, darkness, death cannot overcome the word. Sin, evil, death, darkness cannot overcome the light. The light is always shining. I heard somebody put it this way. I think it's, it's really helpful. Imagine that you're at home right now and you're in your bedroom, okay? And you've got the overhead light on or maybe you've got the lamp on or, or maybe, I don't know, maybe you've got 17 trees in your house and in your bedroom you've got some big 15-foot tree with lots of lights on it. But somehow there is light in the room. Now imagine you go over to the closet in your bedroom and that there's, there's no electrical light in there, okay? There's no, there's no automatic light, so you open the, the closet and it's dark in there. What's immediately going to happen? The light's going to come in. There's nothing you can do. The light is going to go into that dark closet. There's nothing that can change that. In fact, you can go in the closet and shut the door, and guess what? The light's going to sneak under the bottom. It's going to sneak in the cracks. There's no way for the light not to get in. Dear Christian, the light is shining, and the darkness cannot overcome the light. The darkness has never overcome the light because it cannot overcome light I was reading something this week see if you hear anything familiar it goes like this cancer ravages our families killing half a million more every year in the United States alone divorce continues to rip apart families and leave young children frantically treading water emotionally Pressures are mounting in our society to demonize and suppress Christianity. Racial tensions and conflicts seem to be surging after years of perceived progress. 100,000 babies are aborted every day around the world. And underneath all of that darkness, we can see lies an even darker, more terrifying darkness. An entire system of spiritual darkness spearheaded by Satan himself, carried out by hordes of demons and influencing every corner of the earth and it's raging right below the surface of our lives every day. 
I know what you're thinking, man, I'm so glad the sermon is ending on such a positive note. Thanks, Dal, appreciate the encouragement. But it's true. If you have received the word, if you have received the light, then please know this, the darkness will not overtake you. It's not possible. However, if you haven't received the word, if you haven't received the light, if you haven't turned to God and received salvation in Jesus, the darkness will overcome you, and the scripture says it'll overcome you forever. So we can't ignore this truth. We can't ignore the darkness, but likewise, we cannot ignore the light. We should not ignore the light. Why? Because the light wins. The, the light always wins. The light will ultimately win because it can do nothing else. Marshall Siegel says this, if we have found Jesus, we don't have to hide from the dark anymore. No matter how dark our days become, his light doesn't make the darkness any less dark. It just conquers every shadow with something stronger. I love that. I think, we don't mean to, I think we think that when we leave here today, nothing bad should ever happen to us. I think when we leave here today, we think nothing bad should happen in the world. We think everything should just be the, the way we want it and that everything should be all light and fluffy. But that, that's not reality. Hopefully we know that. But I love this picture. It doesn't mean that the darkness is going to disappear. It just means that in the darkness, there is something stronger. When the shadow feels like it never leaves you even in the shadow there is something stronger and what is stronger the word the word thank you john for finding one word that brings it all to heart Thank you that when we scroll through social media today or, or read the paper tomorrow or sit in the hospital on Thursday night, no matter what happens in our life, at any given time, to be a believer means we have the word. And I would dare say this, even if you're not a believer, guess what? The word is there for you to help you overcome the shadows, to flee the darkness and find the light. What's stronger? The word. Jesus is always stronger than the darkness. So, what should we do? We should step into the light and we should keep stepping into the light. When you leave and get in the parking lot, guess what? You'll be stepping into the darkness. But you know what you can do at the same moment? You can step into the light. See, there is something stronger for every moment and the stronger something is a stronger someone and that someone is Jesus he is the word